so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I wrestled and tried to figure out what to say to you guys this morning and, and then I felt God changing a little bit of everything this morning just for a change. <laughs> but that's, I, I write to you so that you may know how I'm doing. I write to you, I, I want to share just how we're doing and a glimpse into to what God has been doing with us and traveling to Australia and on the brink of this major new step and there's, there's tensions in our heart of even watching last night and celebrating the box. And it's like, man, this is just a natural overflow of our love for this nation. And then at the same time, earlier in the day, we had Australia playing against New Zealand. And it's like, hey, I guess we're supposed to support Australia at this moment. And like, it wasn't natural overflow of this. But when we were there, there was, there was also just a, a beauty and a love and a, a growing love for a nation that is desperate for God. A church that is lost and questioning and trying to figure out how do we reach this nation? How do we restore what God has started here? And I believe God has prepared us with, with tools to help navigate that and help them connect and help them unblock the, the wells that God has dealt, dug and prepared. And I saw something yesterday. We saw a picture of what it's like when there's unity with a diverse range of people centered around one goal. When the box are aiming at the gold, aiming at that cup. It's like you can see when they got their winner's medals, they were looking at it and staring at it and kissing it and wanting to grab hold of the cup and celebrate and raise it up and saying that we did this together. There's something of us, we're a nation, we did that. And I'm like... I didn't touch a rugby ball. <laughs> I was nowhere near that. I, I couldn't have helped in the slightest. But we won. And I'm included in that. And you're included in that. And except for Stephen, he excludes himself. <laughs> Wearing black in mourning and like, no. <laughs> uh, okay. 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 Emergency care. And then our long flights, we watched. Lots of movies, because that's all you've got to do, stuck in a tiny little seat. One of the movies I watched was this incredibly violent, crazy movie called Sisu, about this crazy Finnish, um, I don't know, just one-man wrecking crew that fights a whole bunch of Nazis, and all to try and preserve his gold. And this is an incredible picture of the relentless nature of he was willing to just fight and fight and fight, and the whole thing is, uh, they try and kill him many, many times, and he should die. But he basically, like his strength is that he will never give up. Never, never, never give up. He's just like, I'm going to just outlast you. And when you supposedly killed me, I'm going to outlast you. And I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to get back up. Similar to what my mom just said, that's the Christian life where actually we stand. Does it always promise 
perfection? No, but we stand. Will challenges come? Yes, but we stand and we trust and we trust and we trust because we know that God has got a plan and He wins in the end. But along the way, there's lots of challenges that challenge that connection that we've got to God. And the two words that I want to talk about today is actually just the last two words of Ephesians. We're finally trying to wrap everything up, so I thought I'll preach on the last two. Love incorruptible. It says, Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Love incorruptible. It says the whole closing is peace be with the brothers and sisters. Love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So he's saying, actually, I want you to live in peace. I want you to understand the love that you have. I want you to have faith that you actually live in this environment, that you understand who God is, how He loves you, what He's shaping you into, that you walk and you feel the unmerited favor of God, the grace towards you. I want you to live in that. I want you to understand it. I want you to believe it. Because it overflows from our actual love for Jesus Christ. When we understand that we have a connection to God the Father through Jesus Christ, that we have a love relationship that cannot be damaged by anything. It cannot be tarnished. It cannot be corrupted by anything you've done, anything the world does to you, anything you think may have damaged this relationship. It is incorruptible. But it doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes it feels like God's left us. Sometimes it feels like we've messed things up. Sometimes it feels like the world around seems to be winning. It seems to be that there's growing conflict and there's growing corruption in general and there's injustice is rampant around the world and there's wars and violence and rumors of wars and Jesus even says that there's going to become times like that. But don't doubt. Actually, in those moments, have faith. We can actually see, we look back through time and we witnessed what God has done. Time and time again, He's been faithful. And He asked us to actually have faith. And the picture that I got was, it's like God's placed a nugget of gold inside each and every one of you. Just pure, refined, incorruptible gold, which is the actual love for Christ. Now, we don't always live as if that's true. But part of the challenges in life is God's refining process to actually draw out the things of the world and our un unhealthy responses. When we hurt, we want to lash out. When we wounded, we want to respond. It's like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. For a tooth. We, we think that's justice. But actually, the way of the kingdom is a response of love. But that can only be from a true, like incorruptible love for Christ overflowing in a love for the world. Because we look at it and we're thinking, like, man, I, I really, I want to live in this love relationship with God. But I get blinded and I get distracted and it gets tarnished and it gets like covered over and we, we sit in this like dirty mix and it's, 
it's partly a mix of us not understanding our own identity because we, we think we are almost like our, our view of ourselves is based upon our worst actions, not what God has said about us. And then we look at the relationships around us and we judge everybody by the worst moments or the, the harshest things they've said or the times where they've let us down. That starts dominating our relationships. And we look at God and we say, oh man, you can't be good if these things in life have happened. These prayers have not been answered. The sickness that I'm dealing with. These challenges that I'm dealing with. These relationships of mine are so broken. There can't be this good God that loves me and cares for me. But all of life is almost a refining process where God wants to come and restore that vision. That there is an incorruptible connection with God. There's an incorruptible love. But we need to learn to discern what is actually the truth and what is the lie of the enemy. We heard it last week. Barry was sharing how the first lie is the enemy coming in and saying, is God really that good? Can he really be trusted? He's given you all of these trees, but he's holding off that one tree from you. And the whole of the book of Ephesians is Paul trying to remind and proclaim and teach that this is who God is. He has given us every spiritual blessing. He, has, he wants to pour out His Spirit of wisdom and revelation upon us that you may know and that you may grasp and you may understand. And then he, he talks about the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of Christ Jesus for us. But he's saying, I, I want to do everything I can for you to get it. But I don't know if I can make you get it. Because I don't know if I can even make myself get it some of the time. Because I, I get distracted. And I get focused on like, man, God has done everything for Michelle and I to get to Australia. Except give me a job. <laughs> and it's like he's opened up doors miraculously. He's opened up provision miraculously. He's opened up this... And, but he hasn't done this and this and this. And so we live in that tension of, God, I've seen you do miracles, but I need more. I've seen you do this, but I'm still waiting for answers on this. And God is drawing us in and saying, will you trust me with the next step? I'm not going to give you the 10-point plan every step of the way, but you can trust me. <laughs> And you say, God, could I not just have at least three steps? Just an idea, just an understanding. And I've been in that place and God has given me the next step. And you know what I did? Instantly started worrying, what's the next step, God? <laughs> I didn't stay, stop and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for this step. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for opening up this door. Thank you for this provision. It's no. What are the next 5, 10, 15 steps? What, what is God taking us to? And always concerned about the future and the future and the future. I was fascinated when we got to Australia and we went to this conference. 
And we felt so incredibly at home with the, the spirit of the people and the longing that they have for God to move. But I was very surprised at their own perception of themselves. Like, South Africans look at Australia in some way, there's many people that look at it as like this promised land that if I could just get there, then everything will be fine. Well, the Australians are looking at it and saying, this place is falling apart. We are not what we used to be. Look at where we've fallen from. Like there's it's confusion and there's division and they, they're looking at the state of the church and it's not what it used to be. And they were looking at it and you, I heard them say the fact that they are these cynical Aussies probably 10, 20 times like during the conference because they, they looked at themselves and they, there's something inherent like in the, the nature of Australia that they look at themselves as second class citizens where they've always been trying to compete and measure up to Britain and then they've always been trying to compete and measure up to America and trying to prove that we are just as good. And there's something like inherent in their identity that is actually we're not quite good enough. And I can see the same thing in South Africa where it's a lot of South Africa, we, we're trying to, trying to perform and we're trying to say that actually we can also measure up on the world stage. We can prove that we're better than you. We can prove that we've got four rugby world titles and you only have three. And we've got three of our four have like come from winning on foreign soil, not winning on our own country. And we start listing how many things of why we are better than everybody else. And there's something inside of all of us that it's, we're going we're gonna to list our resume of why we're better and why we measure up and why we're just as good. And I was so grieved by the fact that Australia was, like they were looking at it and saying, look at where we've fallen from. God, you need to restore. Rather than saying, Man, God, look at what you have done with us. Look at what's possible. Look at the potential that's here. Look at what you can do. And the same in our lives. We can so easily compare what we've got to what somebody else has rather than looking at what is possible. I think in all like the fall of empires and kingdoms and we can look at like what's actually wrong. There's a, there's a meme going around of how often men think about the Roman Empire. I don't know if you've seen. And ironically, they're saying it's like most guys think about it like at least once a day. I'm like, that's not me, but maybe once a week. No. Um, where there's, there's a concept of, they're looking at it a lot as America. It's just fallen from the supposedly one's great nation and trying to evaluate is it really a good nation and there's there's debate around the world of geopolitics and trying to there's trying to understand who the good guys and who the bad guys whether you're on russia versus ukraine it's like who, who the good guys who the bad guys it's like that one maybe in your head is quite simple and then you've got Israel and Hamas and Palestine and trying to figure out who the good guys, who the bad guys. Israel must be the good guys. They're in my Bible. It's like, um, are you sure? And how quickly can we use compassion as a weapon against other people? Our culture has taken victimization and used it as a weapon against people. 
And it's a dangerous, dangerous thing because we can find one element of truth in how you've done one thing wrong. Therefore, everything you have done is wrong. Everything you stand for is worthy to be wiped out. God is calling us as Christians not to wage war against other humans, flesh and blood, but actually our battle is against the spiritual powers, the cosmic powers, the spiritual forces, the enemy and his minions. And that means we need to fight hard to overcome our instant judgments on politics, on war, on internal conflict, on, and actually fight hard to believe the best about people, to win over hearts and minds and love people. That's what Jesus calls us to. He actually says, turn the other cheek. When somebody asks you to go a mile, you say, I'll go extra mile. Why? Because we're trying to win over even our oppressors. That was instructions to Jews that were conquered by a Roman Empire. We're looking and saying, oh, the Roman Empire was amazing. Did they do amazing things? Absolutely. We, they sometimes talk about the Pax Romana. It's like the peace of the Roman Empire. Yeah, peace comes once you've defeated all of your enemies. It's a peace that comes at the end of a sword. It's like, that's not the peace that God talks about. That peace of Rome is similar to the peace that, honestly, they talk about in Islam. We stand for peace. It's a peace that says, we're right. As long as you submit to us, we can be at peace. If you don't want to submit to us, that's fine. You can actually be second-class citizens in us and pay taxes. And if you don't want to submit to that, we can fight. That's inherent in the nature of Islam. And then I had a conversation with a friend this week um, who's a committed Muslim believer. And we had the most incredible conversation because he was talking about his love for God and how he, he hates the fact that the way he, he was brought up was out of fear that he had to believe this. And actually, he wanted people to believe in this God of love and mercy and forgiveness. And he wants them to be drawn by love into believing this. And what I, I realized through our conversation, whether he realizes it or not, he's been so influenced by Christ because of a world that has been saturated in Christianity that his like, default religion, that what he lives by, is more Christian than what it is Muslim. But he doesn't quite connect the dots yet. So I'm trying to help him. Because reality is, I don't think he can get to his belief based on the teaching of Islam. Because he, he wants it to be motivated just by love and just by truth. And, and then you read the Quran, and you don't have to, but it comes 600 years after basically the birth of Christ. And so it's taken a lot of Jewish and Christian teaching. And it seems to be like a combination of that and repackaged in a way that's easily memorizable. And it's like this perfect representation of man-made religion. But what I realized in studying it is that's how most Christians live. Because we motivate it in the same way. It comes down with a whole set of laws this is the good, this is the bad. I must do the good, then me and my people will grow and will be prosperous. 
And if you want to get on board with that, then fine. If you don't, you will be our enemies that we'll either exclude or push away. But we don't actually want to live and bless you. And it's challenging because that's basically what it means. We read our Bibles and it's often how we see the Pharisees living. And reading it, I realized that it's so easily tempting for me to live like that. And I don't want us to live like that. I want to be motivated by that nugget of love. By that desperate, like, incorruptible love for Christ. That grows in an incorruptible love for those around me. My church around me. For those that believe differently to me. And I, I don't know how to get that across. Because I don't know how to live it wholeheartedly and perfectly myself. I see Paul wrestling with us where he starts and he says, Man, I want you to know that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand this. Because it takes God opening up your eyes. It takes God opening up your heart. It takes God healing those wounds. Because it's a challenge to overcome it. And it's, a, it's painful to overcome some of our forgiveness and to let it go. 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 But as we do, we step into a forgiveness and a freedom. That even when you're writing from prison, you can say, man, I am free. I want you to know that everything that has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. I want you to know that I'm doing well. I want you to know that I'm actually more worried about you. I'm writing from prison and I'm more concerned about you and how you're doing. I want you to be free. I want you to know God. I want you to believe this. I want you to understand how free you are, how redeemed you are, how much God loves you, that in spite of everything you're going through, that every challenge is actually just purifying and purifying and purifying that incorruptible nugget of love for God. And God says that actually abide in me. Let my words abide in you. And then you will actually be able to bear fruit. I'm so concerned and I'm so saddened by myself that we can so easily do the right Christian things. And we have this nice tick box where I know the right things to say to make it seem like we've got it all together. Where we, we're certain of like, man, God is leading us to Australia and this and we, we've got such confidence and, and we do. But there's also doubt that creeps in and there's challenges and there's pain and there's stress and there's everything involved with it. And then I look around Trinity Central and I'm like, I know what the right things are to say. I know what the right things are to pretend like we've got it all together and connected maybe to us winning the World Cup and together, united, different players, different positions, different gifts. We can do this together. 
I'm not sure that always works when you need to wake up tomorrow and really find time with God. We can become so dependent on a nice, neat message on a Sunday or a, a good worship song that we put on and a community that's functioning well and cares for each other and somebody looks out for you and phones you and cares for you. But I believe we need a faith that's going to withstand the lack of all of those things. What if you have none of those things? Do you have a, a relationship with God that will withstand that? Do you have an intimacy with God on a daily basis that will allow you to say that when you are locked up in a Roman prison, I am good. God is using everything for His glory, for your good, for the benefit of those around me, for the advancement of the gospel. See, oh man, I'll go to my family, I'll witness. To my friends, I'll witness. To my nation, I'll witness. I'm not sure. I lived for so many years as a good Christian, but I'm not sure how many times I actually shared my faith or witnessed to those around me or had something in me that was willing to actually say, how are you doing? What, what do you believe? What, what is God doing in your life? Can I pray for you? I've said it a couple of times. Don't wait until you're a professional Christian to be a full-time Christian. Don't wait until you're forced to do this. The invitation is to start right here today. Another movie I watched on the plane was um, Les Mis or Less Miserable. <laughs> I don't have the French connection. <laughs> but it's, I, I'd never seen it before. I don't know if you have. But it's this fascinating story which seems incredibly long. At least it's not as long as the book which I looked up this morning. Literally listening to the audiobook should take 67 hours. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> it's going to take a while. Um, but I can't give you the whole story, but it's set in like the French Revolution and there's this rousing songs of being set free from slavery, being set free from bondage, being set free from oppression. And there's this rousing call to actually go and set up the barricades because we are called to fight for freedom. And this was a fight for freedom in their nation. And it's, there's these young guys that are set around and they're saying, will you stand with me, my brother? Will you stand with me and fight? Will you stand and take your place at the barricade? Because if we do, we may set like such a, a call that the people will follow us and we will fight for freedom and one day we'll actually live in freedom. And as they're about to do this, the day or two before it, one of the young leaders falls in love. And he, he realizes, man, if I fight for this, I might die. 
but actually this love is more important and he's drawn that he actually wants to, to live this life of love. And then they, they take the same song that they use to rouse guys to stand at the barricade, which gets played right at the end. But the words are different. So, do you hear the people singing, lost in the valley of the night? It is the music of the people who are climbing to the light. For the wretched of the earth, there is a flame that never dies. Even the darkest night will end and the sun will rise. They will live again in freedom in the garden of the Lord. We will walk behind the plowshares. We will put away the sword. The chain will be broken and all men will have their reward. Will you join in our crusade? Who will be strong and stand with me? Somewhere beyond the barricade, is, the, is there a world you long to see? Do you hear the people singing? Say, do you hear the distant drums? It is the future that we bring when tomorrow never comes. Will you join in our crusade? Who will be strong and stand with me? Somewhere beyond the barricade, is there a world you long to see? Do you hear the people sing? Say, do you hear the distant drums? It is the future that we bring when tomorrow comes. I challenge you to watch that and not be roused and stirred as you hear the drums drumming. As you hear this distant call to fight for a kingdom that will last for eternity. To fight for a kingdom underneath the true king. I believe that's the fight that's going on inside of each and every one of us. It's the fight that I saw in Australia that was this, this breaking down of a kingdom that should be there. But it's a kingdom without a true king. And when you see the fight, whether it's Russia and Ukraine or Israel and Palestine, people are longing to find true freedom. But it's not a freedom that comes at the edge of a sword. It's a freedom that comes as we submit and lay down our lives in service of God and in Christ. Because that's a freedom that can actually set us free from the internal tyranny of sin. The internal tyranny to the, the ways of the world. It's the freedom that we long for in South Africa of freedom from corruption and injustice. And it's that invitation that we are invited to actually fight for an incorruptible love for Christ. As we fight for His kingdom. And for his truth. That's what he laid down his life for. That's why we celebrate and we remember and we take communion here every single week. And I think only if we can learn to abide in that. In the internal commitment to what God is doing. That internal incorruptible love for Christ that's where we'll learn to walk in a peace that surpasses understanding a peace that nobody else in the world can understand or know a peace in the midst of South Africa a peace in the midst of wherever God calls you to to walk with love but with faith to walk in the grace of God That for me is the story of Ephesians. 
Paul is writing to fight and remind them, you have been invited into this hope, this calling. This is your identity. You are called to be the people of God that fight this fight. And the Spirit comes and empowers us and He reminds us and He opens our eyes to that. And He opens our eyes to where we're falling short of that. And He says, actually, I'll be with you and I'll strengthen you and I'll empower you to walk this walk, to stand and fight. That is the armor of God to actually put on our helmet of salvation. Actually, God has done this. A breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. He gives us the boots that have this gospel, this message, this truth to actually go out and witness to those around us. He gives us the shield of faith to say, you know what? Even when the accusations come, even when the doubt comes, even when I make a mistake, actually I'm still included in this. What the enemy says about me is not true. The fact that I'm alone, the fact that I cannot do this, the fact that I'm a failure, all of that, the enemy comes and he lies. And he says, no, you, you can't do this. And you say, with a shield of faith, actually that's a lie. I can do this because God is strengthening me. We can do this because God is strengthening us. And we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we actually go and we say, you know what, this is what the Bible says about God. This is what the Bible says about me. This is what the Bible says about me daily. And we learn to believe that. And our identity gets transformed and our church gets transformed. And we step into the world and we transform the world because we know the incorruptible love of God that He has for us and that we have for Him. So Lord, I thank You for what You're doing in this church. I thank You for what You are, you are busy doing around the world. I thank You for pictures of this. Whether it's in sport victories or poetry or music or movies or However we are moved by the stories that transform us, the, the narratives that go around our world, I pray that you'd captivate us with a vision of a kingdom that is eternal, that is lasting, that is uncorruptible. How we are invited to play our part as ambassadors of that kingdom. Thank you for your body, thank you for your blood that made that possible Hello. Yes. Okay. Um, I just wanted to share this word, um, picture um, I had now while Andrew was speaking. Um, I saw God like pouring water down um, on us. And it's almost like we had the caps of our bottles um, closed. And so the water just splashes everywhere. Um, and I just feel like as Andrew shared, you know, it's like a call and a challenge to us. And I feel like God is saying, open up the caps. So he can pour, and it's not just a bottle, it's a deep well. You know, he wants to pour and fill you up and, and 
give you resource, you know, that you can pull on in times, you know, when there's drought around you. And it's not a, when you hear a word like this, it feels like, okay, now I have to go and do. It's not a doing, it's a surrendering. We're just opening the cap. He is the one resourcing. He is pouring out. He is bringing the life and the increase and whatever he wants to bring. It's just we have to be in the posture of reception. Because when we are busy and distracted here, we're not receptive. And so God, I just want to pray this morning, help us to just, in whatever way or shape, open up those caps, open up our hearts, turn our gaze heavenward, Father God, refocus, reshift um, our lives onto you, Father. Um, and come and show us, maybe there's practical steps, maybe it's just a surrender in our hearts. Maybe it's just a surrender of all the anxiety and things going around in our minds. And even now, God is just showing me like, um, when you look heavenward, it's like, He's almost like disintegrating um, yeah, our thoughts and our fears and our worries. It's almost like evaporating up and dissolving up into Him. And Father God, we just do that. We come and bring all our worries, our fears, our whatever is bothering us and, and weighing us down and we just lay it before you and you will sort it out. God, we just, yeah, we thank you, God. We just thank you. We can never thank you enough. You are so good. Amen. I think the reality of the limited number of opportunities I got to share and to preach or to, to speak to you, um, like the, the fact that we, we booked our tickets this week, um, like it was really starting to sink in. And so everything in me wants to do everything I can to say that like, I, I just understand parts in the Bible where Paul talks to him and says like, actually where we greeted on the beach and it's like we might not ever see each other again until heaven <laughs> we might um, but it's how, how, do I, how do I leave like a deposit in your heart, in your life that I know that you're going to be sustained once I'm gone and it's not about me that it's, it's actually it's like what, what is the faith that sustains us and 
And I think we, we're so easy to actually just pretend and say the right things. And But everything in me just wants you to have a genuine walk with God and an intimacy with Him that sustains you. A prayer life that empowers your walk. And if you don't have that, don't pretend. Just open up to somebody, to us, to, to God. Like, that is the only thing that I believe is going to genuinely sustain you for the rest of your life. You have to find a genuine walk with God. Pretending and showing up and dressing in the correct way on a Sunday and it fools only man. Like, you, you can pretend like you got it all together. I think everybody in the world is trying to pretend like they got it all together. They're trying to show that I'm successful. I've got, I've got all the finances. I've got the resources. I've got the answers. And I'm like, honestly, if you've got all the answers, go and solve all the world's problems. It's like they are far too complex for us. We need God. If this journey of leading a church for two years has taught me anything, is it's far less to rely on my own opinion. When somebody comes to me with an, like a question and I'm wrestling with this, it's like, man, let's pray. Because we're quick to give out the Christian answer. It's like, oh, you have to do this, 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 and this. I'm like, no, it needs to be specific for your situation, for what you've gone through. You need God to be able to speak His truth into your heart for that situation. And the cookie cutter Christian answers don't work in the messiness of the real world. Jesus didn't respond like that. That's why he was set apart. That's why he was so distinct. The religious leaders were upset with him and the sinners absolutely loved him because it was so countercultural. So I, I don't want this to feel like, oh, I have to do, do, do. It's, man, I want the pressure off completely. I, I want you to see that there is a fight to fight and there is a life worth living for and a kingdom worth dying for. And it's like to enticed into that and to start with to actually say God I want to know you I want that nugget of incorruptible love inside of me and I want to walk with you and I want to talk to you and I want you to speak to me so Lord I I know this may seem like a weighty and a heavy and a, a burdensome thing but actually you're your yoke is easier and your burden is light. You want us to actually walk with you. You want us to walk in freedom and light and love. That actually whatever we've done wrong, whatever we, we feel we haven't done, you have covered over that. It is for your glory that you overlook our sins and our, our past. And even our sin in the future, Lord, there's an assurance of salvation that is available to us. I pray that anybody that doesn't know that would walk into it, have it revealed to them right now. And you empower us and you strengthen us to live in the fullness of what you have for us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.